Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another, and impacting the world. Well, we are going to turn this morning to Ezekiel, one of the more perhaps obscure books in the Old Testament. Uh, Prophet Ezekiel, God having much to say through Ezekiel to uh, his people. And we are going to pick it up in Ezekiel chapter 22. I do want to make a few comments again uh, before we read some of this chapter, but I'm going to pray first and, and then we'll uh, continue from there. Lord, it's a wonderful thing to know that we are not left in ignorance, that you speak to us, that you have left that which is reliable that you have preserved this scripture, this word, over these many years, centuries, for our benefit and blessing. And I pray this morning, Lord, again, as we come to this word, that we approach it as those who come with our ears attentive, and Lord, our feet ready, our hands ready to obey. And so lead us, we pray, me as I speak, to do so simply and clearly, to do so, Lord, in the power of your Spirit, and, and for us all to submit, understanding that you are indeed our ultimate prophet, as we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I have for a number of weeks uh, focused on four particular Psalms, and uh, I entitled the series, Living in a World Seemingly Gone Mad. Well, as those of us living in this world seemingly gone mad, God has not left us without wisdom. I think as I indicated in my prayer, we are not left in ignorance. God has spoken. God has given us that which we need. There were four particular areas I touched on, and and just to review those again, uh, we have so many voices ringing in our ears, so many opinions, so many people telling us what to do. But Psalm 1 tells us that blessed is the man, the woman, who delights in the law of the Lord. In fact, he speaks there of the blessednesses, uh, plural, of those who delight in the law of the Lord. And then we moved on to Psalm 2, where we saw again uh, just a reminder that in spite of us having these major superpowers around the world, east and west, north and south, uh, God governs. God determines the destiny of history and ultimately the destiny of the world. Psalm 51 was more challenging because it exposes a fallacy. And it's a fallacy that has been propagated and proposed today that lifestyle choices don't matter. But we saw in Psalm 51 that, yes, it's a fallacy to believe that there is no danger from the wrath of God when we make lifestyle choices merely based on our whims and desires. And then a very precious Psalm 73, identifying with a man who struggled, doubting the goodness of God. Ultimately concluding, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is my portion forever. 
So we've been looking at the world. But this morning I want to finish this four-part series with this fifth message, looking at a passage that focuses on us. Not so much looking at the world, but looking at those who profess to be believers, those who are part of uh, communities of faith, those who are part of the religious community, a wonderful passage. It's a sobering passage. And be patient with me. We're going to do a lot of uh, describing of, of the particular state of Israel when this particular message came from God to Ezekiel. It's a passage close to my own heart. It is uh, this passage that actually made Carol and I decide God convincing us to enter pastoral ministry. And then some years later, when we were going through some difficulties at our church in Peter Maritzburg, uh, it was the passage that kept us and has kept us in ministry over these uh, many years. So read with me uh, Ezekiel chapter 22. I won't read the whole chapter. I'm going to pick it up in verse 17. So verse 17, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, the house of Israel has become dross to me. All of them are bronze and tin and iron and lead in the furnace. They are dross of silver. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have all become dross, therefore, behold, I will gather you into the midst of Jerusalem as one gathers silver and bronze and iron and lead and tin into a furnace to blow the fire onto it in order to melt it. So I will gather you in my anger and my wrath. I will put you in and melt you. I will gather you and blow on you with the fire of my wrath, and you shall be melted in the midst of it. As silver is melted in a furnace, so shall you be melted in the midst of it. And you shall know that I am the Lord. I have poured out my wrath upon you. And the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, say to her, You are a land that is not cleansed or rained upon in the day of indignation. The conspiracy of her prophets in her midst is like a roaring lion, tearing the prey. They have devoured human lives. They have taken treasure and precious things. They have made many widows in her midst. Her priests have done violence to my law and have profaned my holy things. They have made no distinction between the holy and the common. Neither have they taught the difference between the unclean and the clean. And they have disregarded my Sabbaths so that I am profaned among them. The princes in her midst are like wolves, tearing the prey, shedding blood, destroying lives to get dishonest gain. And her prophets have smeared whitewash for them, seeing false visions, divining lies for them, saying, Thus says the Lord God, when the Lord has not spoken. The people of the land have practiced extortion and committed adultery. They have oppressed the poor and needy, have extorted from the sojourner without justice. This is the focus of this passage. And I sought for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the breach before me for the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none. Therefore I have poured out my indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. I have returned their way upon their heads, declares The Lord God. This is so far the reading of God's word. It is true that we as professing believers need to face the challenge of the lunacy 
of the world that seemingly has gone mad around us. But this passage is not focused, and I want to emphasize that right at the beginning, this passage is not focused on secular society. This passage drills down, and I'm using that word very deliberately, really uncovers what's going on deep down in the lives of God's people. This is the nation of Israel. And the challenge that we will find in this passage is that the people of God are not exempt from the challenge of losing their way. I don't think we should be surprised when secular society is content to go with the flow of worldly thinking. We should understand that. But what should we expect and what does God expect from his people? How do we respond to the world? How do we respond to God in in the midst of a world that is seemingly so troubled? Now what I find quite difficult in this particular passage is that the troubling and the challenging truth that we will see from this passage, that it is a possible and frightening reality to have a religious institution, what today we would call the church, a religious institution, and having systems and structures in place with all the stakeholders present. And in this particular context, we have the stakeholders, Israel, ethnic Israel. We have the prophets, we have the priests, we have them undertaking rituals and and liturgy. But what we begin to see as the frightening challenge is that it's nothing more than an empty charade. They are busy with pretense and lip service. And it's all devoid of submission and the worship of God. So my first point this morning as uh, we look at this passage is I've called it God's assessment. Life in the nation of Israel had degenerated to an extremely low point of decadence. The application that we need to understand is that their way of life then, but also our way of life today, does not escape the scrutiny of God. He knows exactly what's going on. He knows what the nations are up to. He knows everything about everyone. Good for us to be reminded of the words of the psalmist when he speaks of the omniscience of God, the all-knowing ability of God in Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. And now listen to these words. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, when I'm in the pulpit and when I'm lying in my bed, if you like. You know, uh, you discern my thoughts. Can you imagine the ability of God? Can you even speculate the, the, the greatness of his ability to discern our thoughts from afar? You search out my path, my lying down. You're acquainted with all my ways, even before a word is on my tongue. The old Lord, you know it altogether. Well, in this passage, we have God assessing And there's a record of this assessment of what he saw among this nation of Israel at this particular point in history. 
And he challenges, he challenges the prophet Ezekiel, you ought to confront the people regarding their abominations, their detestable practices. Verse 2 of chapter 22. And you, son of man, will you judge? Will you judge the bloody city? Then declare to her all her abominations. In other words, all this stuff that she's doing. And so a sub-point detestable lifestyles described. We see them here. We face the challenge, I believe, uh, day by day, of not absorbing or that we should not absorb or cave in to the moral revolution taking place in 2023. But we also need to consider our conduct and behavior as those who profess to be the people of God, asking ourselves, is it line, is it in line with the way of God? In view of what God says to these Jewish exiles in Babylon, verse 4, you have become guilty by the blood that you have shed and defiled by the idols you have made. So, so what's going on? There's violence in the city, in the nation. There's idolatry among them. They are everyday realities. God's people not concerned about God's ways. They're following the impulses of being self-indulgent. They're wanting what they want. They're worshipping how they thought best. They're sinking into coarseness, sensual vulgarity, corruption, extortion. It sounds like society out there, but it's actually amongst the people of God. No sense of obligation to God. No desire to find out what pleases the Lord. Verse 8. You've despised my holy things. Not even neutral. You've profaned my Sabbaths. There are men in you who slandered to shed blood. And I'll just skip through some of the, the actions described over here. They commit lewdness in your midst. Uncover their father's nakedness. Violate women who are unclean. One commits abomination with his neighbor's wife. Another in you violates his sister. To get, to get the point, this society is in the gutter. You would expect this in the world. You would not expect it. Amongst the people of God. And so Ezekiel calls them out. And he says that this is detestable in the sight of God. And he goes on to describe my second point, God's response. It does matter to God how his people behave. And like us, and we have a number of younger families in our church like us, it is true that earthly fathers and mothers who love their children do not hesitate to correct them. And so God is active, we see in this passage, in disciplining those that he loves. So we see discipline at work in verse 15. I will scatter you among the nations and disperse you through the, uh, the countries and I will consume your uncleanness out of you. And you know, of course, the history of the southern kingdom that we're referring to here. They were taken into captivity. God raised up the Babylonians uh, to do so. And, and, and their consequences, in spite of God being patient with their godlessness, uh, in spite of God being merciful and compassionate, they, eventually he draws a line in the sand. Verse 4, 
You become guilty by the blood that you've shed and defiled by the idols that you've made. You have brought your days near. The appointed time of your years has come. Therefore, I've made you a reproach to the nations and a mockery to all the countries. Don't think, because God's people as a group go through a difficult time as they are here, taken into captivity, that God has lost control. God is disciplining because God cares. God is acting in discipline. And we will notice that those who do not submit to the discipline end up subjected to God's judgment. And he puts them through a refining furnace where the authenticity of their faith is either proved or the inauthenticity is exposed. And so my next point is that of testing. Not only discipline, but testing. Verse 18. Son of man, the house of Israel has become dross to me. All of them are bronze and tin and iron and lead in the furnace. They are dross of silver. Now, this is not just Old Testament practice. Because the Apostle Peter explained this process to the persecuted church. Chapter 1 and verse 6 of his first letter. In this you rejoice... So now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. So that, there's the purpose clause, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus. Now back here, this doesn't apply to us, I know. Back here in Ezekiel's day, They proved to be God's people in name only. Ethnic Israel. There was an absence or certainly a minimal presence of spiritual Israel. They proved to be God's people in culture. But they remained uncircumcised in their hearts. When they were put to the test, they were found wanting. Which leads me to my third point. Not only God's assessment and God's response, but now let's look at man's responsibility. We do have a role in whatever unfolds. And the question that must be asked, what sends a community of faith down the tubes? What sends a local church, what sends a family, a Christian family down the tubes. It doesn't just happen. Without individual people or groups of people being responsible, making the wrong kind of decisions. And in this context of Israel, there were some leading, there were others following, but together bringing about the situation in their context. And I'm just going to give you a summary of each of the different groups. I've called the first group the leadership Leaders carry a huge responsibility. When things go well, yes, of course, but also when things go wrong. I've read this statement. It's something I've read to our leaders, elders and deacons frequently in the church. It's a statement by George Carey. He was the previous Archbishop of Canterbury. He says, churches die when leaders die. Churches die from the top downward. 
Show me a growing church and you will show me a visionary leadership. Leaders who make growth. It's when you have, this is important, spiritual leaders. Men of prayer. Women of prayer. Imaginative, alert, intelligent. There we have growth. But what do we find in Ezekiel chapter 22? The conspiracy of her prophets. Some of your versions will translate pet princes. The conspiracy of her prophets and princes in her midst is like a roaring lion. Tearing the prey. They have devoured human lives. They have taken treasure and precious things. They have made many widows in the midst. What, what do we see here? There are leaders who here are collaborating with each other for self-benefit. Not in the secular society. In the community of faith. They are collaborating. They are not looking out for the body. They are not looking out for the community of faith. They are looking out for their own well-being. Unconcerned about those that they ought to be leading. Sadly, it's not just the leaders, but also secondly, the clergy. Verse 26. Her priests... These are meant to be the servants of God. They've done violence to my law, have profaned my holy things. They've made no distinction between the holy and the common. Neither have they taught the difference between unclean and the clean. They've disregarded my Sabbaths so that I'm profaned among them. What's the bottom line? There is no fear of God before their eyes. God is not clearly obeyed. He's not worshipped. These priests no longer understand that God does not share His glory with another. They're not even prepared to distinguish between right and wrong. But not just the clergy, the the specific uh, group known as, I call them the preachers, uh, Ezekiel calls them the prophets. Verse 28, And the prophets have smeared whitewash for them. Seeing false visions, divining lies for them, saying, thus says the Lord, when the Lord has not spoken. I think it's a terrible thing to stand up and pretend to speak on behalf of God when God hasn't spoken. And again, the intention is nothing more than seeking to manipulate the people for their own purposes. And then the broader community, fourthly of the citizens, verse 29, the people of the land have practiced extortion. Committed robbery. They've oppressed the poor and the needy. They've extorted from the sojourner without justice. At all levels, all stations of society, people were following their inclinations and their impulses. Looking out for number one. Here is a nation of God, supposedly, where there is a widespread disregard For God. Like sheep. Blindly following others. In an unthinking. And thoughtless way. People squeezed into a mold. Leading them to destruction. It's people following the course. Of least resistance. It's people following the way of popularity. Before obedience. It's the way of self indulgence. Now my my fourth point is really what I want to speak to us about this morning. The previous three points has application, of course, but it's a description of Israel. I'm not thinking that it's a description of Central Baptist Church at all. 
So fourthly, God's revelation. How does God conclude regarding this matter, the state of affairs? What can we expect God, who is patient and merciful and, 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 and gracious, what do we expect him to do in a situation where there is defiance and self-indulgence? Where there is decadence and depravity manifested? Well, he, he outlines what he's done, what he does. Verse 30. I sought for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the breach before me for the land. That I should not destroy it, but I found none. Now that's the challenge I'm wanting to bring as we come to the end of this year, the end of this little series, as we face the challenges of the future, 2024, going forward at Central Baptist Church. God searches the land for allies. God searches Central Baptist Church for allies. And the point he's banking over here is that one man, one man or one woman in the hands of God is sufficient to stop the wrath of God being poured out. Now that to me is amazing. How does that apply to us? So often we want to give up. It's hard to be in ministry, whether it be as a lay person because you have your job and you have your home, you have the pressures of life, and then there's still the added pressure in the life and body of the church. And then there can be difficult times and there can be difficult people and there can be difficult circumstances and there is a sense of just wanting to give up. We feel like we're struggling on our own. Well, God sees things differently. He works with, I want to call, in the right sense, lone rangers. God scans the nation of Israel, in this instance, looking for a single person to represent his cause. He's looking for one person to stand in the gap on behalf of the land. Such a person and at work for God can be the reason that God withholds judgment. That I should not destroy it, is what he says. But sadly, the next point for Israel, at this particular point, God searches the land in vain. He concludes, this all-knowing, all-seeing God, concludes that he's unable to find a single ally, and therefore he will proceed with judgment. Verse 31. Therefore, I have poured out my indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. I have returned their way upon their heads, declares the Lord. There was not one single person that was willing that would stand up and be counted and go against the flow for the sake of God and His cause, for His glory. There was not one person willing to be different and separate. God found none. So, let me conclude. God continues to call men and women. Continues to look for allies. He's looking for men and women to serve, 
It's looking for young people who will stand up against the flow for His glory. And so the question has got to be to us, to me, to you, is will you, will I stand up and be the one? And pray to God that there are many others. Will we be the one to make a difference in this context in reference to save the land, to save the family, to save the church, to save the nation from judgment? To have courage, to have guts, I think that's a better word that I've uh, understood in our own day, to have guts, to stand alone like Daniel, remember Daniel? Shadrach, like Shadrach, or like Meshach, like Abednego, like Stephen. Stephen is one of the characters I'm fascinated in the book of Acts because they're stoning him to death and he's standing up for God. Like Paul, like James. My point is to have courage is rare. It's very rare. Even though Jesus said, broad is the road that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life. And few find it. It's standing up for truth. It's a call to stand up for justice. For integrity. For godly character. For that which is right. That which is against evil, that which is against that which is wrong. Isn't it it true that it's easier to be passive? It's easier to go with the flow. I think we've adopted a practice in 2023 in many circles. Let's not rock the boat. Maybe God wants you to rock the boat. Stepping up to the plate to serve. It will cost you time. It may cost you money. It may cost you your popularity. It's easier to step aside, become a spectator. But I must conclude with Jesus who did not step aside or step away. And we're the beneficiaries of that. Father, remove this cup from me, but not my will. Your will be done. On another occasion, Jesus came, he says, not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Now, are there gaps? There are gaps at Central Baptist Church. We don't have all ministry positions filled. We're grateful to God for those that do uh, serve in in, in many areas. There are many who do serve, but, but we have gaps. And so I do want to challenge us as a body to be one who is willing to leave the broad road of comfort to leave the broad road of convenience, to stand out, to stand up for the church. Stand up for the sake of the sheep. Stand up for those who are members of the body of Christ and for gospel ministry and for God himself. Will you stand up even if it means to stand alone? And it's a difficult journey to stand alone. Well, I do remember, and I'll close with this. It's the third time I'm saying I'm closing. Uh, We learned a song. And I thought Isaac might get it when he asked me what I was preaching on Sunday. But he obviously didn't grow up in my Sunday school that I did. Dare to be a Daniel. Many of you know that song? I don't know. Is it? Of course, us oldies know it. eh? Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to stand alone. Dare to have a purpose firm. 
dare to make it known. Standing by a purpose true, heeding God's command, honor them, the faithful few, all hail to Daniel's band. This is a wonderful children's song. I think as adults we may have sung it as well. Many giants, great and tall, stalking through the land, headlong to earth would fall if met by Daniel's band. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us uh, in the task of gospel ministry, the task of serving one another in the body, the task of sending out missionaries to the ends of the earth, but ultimately, Lord, the task of helping one another to love you more, to worship you, to honor you in all of life. Thank you for those who do serve. and Lord, thank you so much for this uh, Hill Campus and the ministry here, for men and women, for young people who... Uh, give uh, sacrificially of their time and their money and their effort. And may you continue, Lord, to raise up many more others who do this as well. That you would be exalted, that you would be glorified. Lord, that judgment would be withheld amongst the people who are turning their backs on you in our nation, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.